honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com. And now, your host, Paladino Joey. Logan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, PodMN, Audible, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Double Twist. Great to be on board once again. I thought I'd scramble those around a little bit, but uh, great to be back on board once again with you today to talk Timberwolves basketball. Just a couple things going on. Yeah, Timberwolves winning some games, losing some games horribly, winning some games against some not-so-good teams. Uh, Kevin Garnett gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we have new owners. But that's all. That's all. Just a couple little things. Yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves have new ownership now. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, well, at least they'll officially take on the major ownership role in a couple of years. But uh, unfortunately, still no press conference. I was hoping it would happen on Friday, but it didn't yet. We'll probably uh, talk about what they say in the next episode, but it's it's a done deal. They're going to be the new owners of the Wolves in the long-term future, of course. Mark Laurie and A-Rod, Alex frickin' Rodriguez, and, of course, Kevin Garnett inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, generally speaking, we'll talk about how Anthony Edwards deserves to be Rookie of the Year. That's pretty obvious, I think, and just a wonderful future and how he might uh, really be like the next Garnett in a lot of ways for this franchise for so many reasons, and hopefully in some ways can be better in some ways, I guess. He'll never be as defensively sound as Kevin Garnett because Garnett might be one of the top 10, uh, if not top 5 greatest defensive players of all time. So, that's a major thing to talk about and to think about at the end of the day with Garnett's career. We got the uh, season finale flashing in the background here. As I'm turning my head. You can probably hear the audio changing as I do that. Timberwolves lead 68-53 to pointer just made by not sure what it is. Dallas Mavericks player. I didn't even see the guy. I just saw the ball released. Uh, my apologies. But Wolves lead by 15. We've made, what, 10 of 20 of threes at this point. At least they had a couple minutes ago. Anthony Edwards still looking great. The hope is, though, that <laughs> D'Angelo Russell just had another three. We just hope this isn't Ricky Davis syndrome at the end of the day. I'm not going to review any of the games leading up to this. It's just kind of like cannon fodder at this point. We beat Orlando and we beat Detroit. We killed Orlando. We beat Detroit by 19. And we lost to New Orleans by four points. That was a very high-scoring epic battle. We lost by Mem- we lost to Memphis by four points. Got beat a little bit worse by Miami. Interesting uh, comment by Carl Anthony Towns telling uh, Jimmy Butler to call Rachel Nichols. And, of course, Anthony Edwards jumping in between the two, which is actually very cool to see. That was cool. I like that. Um, when Butler was trying to get in, Edwards was basically like, back the bleep off, Jimmy. That type of thing. And uh, Jimmy, hey Jimmy, and then the Wolves lost in lame fashion to Denver and pathetic fashion to Boston, and we're winning in wonderful fashion versus Dallas at the moment, with some fans in the building, of course. At least the players aren't wearing masks when they're playing, but uh, hopefully the fans won't have to be wearing those much longer. Edwards makes his 11th point just now, and and I won my fantasy basketball championship. <sighs> Fifth seed overall. Fifth fifth seed out of six teams making the playoffs that won the championship. Thank you, Anthony Edwards, for a wonderful performance during the course of the week last week, along with guys like Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. Oh, man. Chris Paul was wonderful all year. It's just 
feels like a million dollars. It does. So fantasy basketball champion for the first time in way too long. I'm too embarrassed to tell you. I'm humiliated to tell you. Um, shows you what a great basketball mind I am, huh? But also what bad things can happen during the course of a season, no matter how good your basketball mind might be. It's been a long time, but uh, I got it, finally. Oh, my God. It's not my first, but it's it's been a long time since my last one. Um, fun little season finale right now, again. But, you know, I think the theme of all this is it's just nice to see Anthony Edwards playing so well, so promising. It, it feels really good, honestly. Uh, it feels great. I'm just hoping this isn't Ricky Davis syndrome, like, yay, we're playing well in quote-unquote April, because this would be April if it wasn't, uh, you know, if, if it was a normal year or that type of thing. It'd be like April basketball, like, wow, look at Ricky Davis, man, we gotta get him. And then it was like April basketball, and he was crap the rest of the year. So it was like lame. It was crap the rest of his contract with Minnesota. He was just an, uh, you know, he's just a schmuck. Um, D'Angelo Russell's showing tons of promise. Obviously, he's been so much better since returning from the bone spurs, and maybe, hopefully, that's all really this load management nonsense was. He was sore. He was in pain, and it wasn't getting better, really. Uh, that type of thing. And he finally just said, screw it. Let's just get this fixed. You know, if I have to sit out for a while or even the rest of the year, so be it. Uh, that is what it is. Interesting to hear Ryan Saunders go on um, Dan Barrero this past week. To talk about, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett, basically. Kevin, you know, it was a Kevin Garnett appreciation week, basically. Sam Mitchell, Trent Tucker, Fred Hoiberg, uh, uh, Ryan Saunders. Unfortunately, you couldn't get Flip Saunders. And Kevin McHale noticeably missing. I wouldn't be surprised if McHale said, screw KFAN, you guys tore me apart the last couple of years I was there. But uh, Ryan Saunders, obviously at the end, when, uh, like, Dan Barrero gave him a chance to voice his opinion on, what you know, uh, how things kind of went here in the end. He, of course, ducked the question. He said, uh, I want to concentrate on my family right now and at a later date, maybe. And then, of course, we all know what that means. It'll, it'll never be time. Uh, <laughs> two years from now, it'll be like, oh, that's the past. So we all know how that is. It's a bummer. You, you wish you could kind of hear his side of things. I'm sure he was very pissed off, but it is what it is. I guess maybe I'd, maybe I'd do the same. Maybe I would lash out. I don't know. Uh, wow, Nas Reed's actually perfect from the floor tonight. Nine minutes, or yeah, 9 minutes, 11 seconds, 13 points, 5 of 5 from the floor, 3 of 3 from downtown. Nas Reed's a role player I'd like to keep on the walls for a long time, if possible. A very good role player. Just rebound a little more consistently for me, Nas, because I know you can. Uh, block a couple more shots would be great. Um, let's keep this big lineup going for Chris Finch. Hopefully the new ownership will be willing to hang on to Chris Finch. This will be a two-segment show, as right now it's just kind of like playing around with the end of the season here and, of course, the major topics and uh, fan interaction in segment number two. That's pretty much going to be the theme here. I'd do a playoff preview, but I don't know. It's not set yet. Maybe I can kind of give some ideas, but I'd like to do a playoff preview, but, I mean, I think we're going to focus more on the main topics. I think we have enough to say already in terms of, you know, Kevin Garnett going into the hall and, of course, um the new ownership. So might as well jump a bit into Kevin Garnett now. Uh, generally speaking, obviously an amazing career. What did he play? 21 years in the league. Just unbelievable. 22 years. 21. 21. It's like they call it 22, but it's 21. Um, well, so yeah. He wanted to play a 22nd year. It just wasn't meant to be. His contract could have gone on for another two years, but we all knew it wasn't going to last all the way through that. Flip just kind of gave him like some gift money, basically. Like he didn't make enough from the Timberwolves in the first place, but, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it kind of is what it is. Uh, his Hall of Fame speech was 
I won't call it underwhelming, but it sure as hell wasn't. Uh, it sure as hell wasn't overwhelming either. It didn't blow me. It didn't blow me back. It blow, didn't blow my socks off. Um, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't much. It wasn't much. It was mostly thanking everybody, which I guess that's the old team side of Kevin Garnett. It was nice to see him not come off kind of as a bitter, angry person. I like that. Uh, Randy Moss. There was a little bit of haterade in his voice when he had a had his. Uh, I didn't even mention it on Purple Mafia. I think I did later on. I was kind of irritated with what he was saying a little bit. Just kind of like, I don't know, he just seems a little bit too angry at the world for me. Randy Moss, I, I don't know. That's That bothered me a little tiny bit. Not too much, but a little bit too angry at the world. Though I suppose we all are in our own ways, I guess. Uh, you didn't see that at all from Garnett here, which I actually like that. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't too fascinating. It wasn't too, too emotional either. It was just mostly thanking everybody kind of from Minnesota to Boston, to Brooklyn uh, at the end of the day. Of course, he mentioned Flip. I don't remember if he mentioned McHale. I think, he, yeah, yeah, he mentioned McHale, I'm pretty sure. Uh, obviously, he did not mention Glenn Taylor at all, but I don't think he mentioned any of the ownerships over the course of his career. Maybe he just hates owners, I don't know. Um, he made an ass of himself during the lockout years ago. I remember he messed that up pretty bad back circa 2011. Um, 99, he was a little too young to be involved in that, and uh, I think they quickly... <laughs> The players' union quickly said, "Yeah, Kevin, you're you're out of here, buddy. <laughs> Get out of here. You're just going to make things worse." He pretty much went in there and went ape bleep and ape bleep in the in the meetings, probably cursing people out. And it's like, "Gee, thanks, Kevin. That really helped." It set things back like several weeks. They were saying so. There's a good and bad side to Kevin Garnett. Obviously, a very good and very bad side to Kevin Garnett. His first few years here, he was as charming as a gosh. He was just wonderful, charming as all heck. Uh, 1996-97 were some of my fondest memories of Kevin Garnett on the Wolves, of course, age of 20. Uh, I remember he hurt his ankle, and people were like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It was it was scary as hell, um, but he only missed five games. After that, he was pretty much an Iron Man, pretty much. Like, the only reason why he was 81-81-81 was because they're just resting him in the final game of the season. The Wolves' uh, playoff seating wouldn't have mattered either way in those games. It's ironic, though, his two best seasons in his career, and the two years the Wolves actually had home field, if not home ice advantage, as Dan Barrero likes to say, just to be fun. Uh, he actually played all 82 games because they needed to earn that final seed in the last game. Um, but that's the only reason he missed games during the course of uh, the three years in a row. But So basically, he was pretty much an Iron Man from 98 all the way up to 05. Uh, then he missed a few games here and there. And then Glenn Taylor said he was dogging it in the I, that was a mistake. Yeah, Kevin Garnett never did dog it. That's the worst thing Glenn Taylor ever said about Garnett at the end of the day. As for what took place after Flip died, I don't know. None of us truly knew. It was just kind of like, well, I'm, it was like basically like, I'm sorry, but uh, things are different now. We have to go in a different direction. <sighs> Sounds kind of cold and collected to me, unfortunately. So I'm not a Glenn Taylor hater. I'm not. Uh, I don't like the way Garnett handled some of that. I don't like the way he's behaving about it necessarily, but we'll see. Um, do I truly know what happened behind the scenes? No, I don't. Um, there's a side to Glenn Taylor that's probably not very good. Uh, some people that are billionaires, they're they're pretty damn cutthroat. In fact, most of them are pretty damn cutthroat. And there's some moments where there's just there's no no heart whatsoever. You're like you're like just you're like a machine basically. Like your heart is like a, a piece of metal. Like they don't give a damn. Like no. This is my decision, and that's it. Bleep off, basically. 
that's that's uh, cutthroat nature of corporate of the corporate world. I'm not sure Glenn Taylor went that far to Garnett, but I'm not. Sure. There's just no way of saying what happened. It's a damn shame, but my prediction is things will get patched up with the new ownership. Absolutely, unfortunately, we'll probably have to wait a bit because it's being delayed uh, with the Glenn Taylor hanging on as a uh, as the majority owner for a couple more years. At least that's what they said. If it changes, we'll talk about it on the next show. But as of now, it's what about two? It's two more years, basically, of Taylor hanging on as the majority owner, Lori and uh, Alex Rodriguez hanging on as minority owners for now, and then Lori and Alex Rodriguez become the main owners. Glenn Taylor becomes a minority owner, possibly, uh, possibly most likely. But there's also talk about uh, Kevin Garnett joining in as well. Possibly uh, that Alex Rodriguez, is, Alex Rodriguez is going to try to bring him in, try to bring Kevin Garnett as an investor with the Wolves. So we'll see what happens. If there's going to have to be a situation where Taylor's got to go first, like zero percent ownership of the Wolves, we'll have to wait and see how that works. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I could imagine Kevin Garnett being pretty cutthroat himself when it comes to that conversation moving forward. Um, <coughs> I appreciated the speech from Kevin Garnett, though it was nice. Uh, it was nice. It's nice to reminisce about him, especially again the early years, and of course the most viable, the most viable player season. I think he could have got it two years, honestly. Oh two, oh three. I think some people would argue he was actually even better that year, though his stats just about the same. Points slightly less, of course, but he had less help. Uh, that was a pretty good team, though. The oh two, oh three team was pretty good. Like Rod Strickland was solid, limited but solid. Troy Hudson had his by far best year of the Wolves. There was always the one thing about Garnett that hurt this team, though, and of course, it's the thing that uh, the Bulls management was a bit tougher with Michael on. Uh, no, you don't get to choose what players you have around you. And of course, Cleveland made that mistake in the first go-round with LeBron James. Uh, they were constantly trying to accommodate, accommodate, accommodate the star, which is good. You want to accommodate your star, but the, but you have to have, put a limit on it. You have to have a cap on that one. <clears throat> you can't overly compensate just to make the guy smile and be happy. There was nobody better in the league that's ever played than Michael Jordan. But it doesn't look like the Chicago Bulls would ever win a championship with Charles Oakley, unfortunately. <clears throat> they could have. They damn well could have. But for some reason, it just I, I guess it just wasn't going to happen. I don't know. Uh, the maturity in the room wasn't a, wasn't as high. And Bill Cartwright brought, brought more maturity, probably calmed things down a bit, where Michael didn't just kind of get his way about everything. Bill Cartwright kind of calmed things down, this and that. Uh, there was maybe a higher basketball IQ in there. I'm not saying Charles, Charles Oakley had a low basketball IQ, wasn't a winner, wasn't this, wasn't that. He was one of the best defenders of all time. He was fantastic. I think he would have been great at the Bulls either way. But something had to change. They had to make certain moves, probably because of the the the, off, uh, the change in the offense. Obviously, go from Doug Collins, who was just like ISO, you know, feature Jordan, go out and score 38 points a game. Well, it'll be the highest scorer since Will Chamberlain or Phil Jackson, where it's like a little more team-oriented here with this uh, triangle offense that maybe drove Michael crazy the first few months, if not like first year and a half or so. And then all of a sudden, Michael started buying into it, and, you know, we all saw. At least those of us that are blessed, and I mean blessed, that we're old enough to have seen it. Just like those of us that are blessed, that are old enough to have seen Kevin Garnett's entire career. There's a lot of people out there that are big Wolves fans today that uh, weren't living in 1995. Or they were like three years old or something. That type of thing. I mean, you're 92. You're almost 30 years old. You were three years old when Garnett first suited up by the Wolves. 
Then they got people like me and others that were uh, sophomores at Hopkins. I was a sophomore at Hopkins High School when Kevin Garnett uh, suited up for the Wolves. So thank God for that. I was already, you know, well into my teens. So that was a good thing. Um, <clears throat> the point, though, as I drug this out all over the place, and I deeply apologize, uh, when I reminisce, I reminisce. I reminisce, boy. I guess they do. Um, the Trenton Hassel, and of course he had to mention Trenton Hassel, and Troy Hudson and such at his freaking speech. He had to mention them. That's what kind of pissed me off a little bit. Yeah. Those guys are part of the reasons why we didn't win a championship here. Let's be honest. <laughs> Troy Hudson's contract was way too high, and he contributed just about nothing after that great series against the Lakers the year before that we did not win, by the way. That we did not win. He came up lame with the ankle in the preseason. Or was it the regular season opener? I think it was the preseason with Hudson in uh, 03-04, the famed the 58-win season, the almost 60-win season. Um, and ever since then, Hudson was never the same, but he was, but he's still making, what, $6 million a year, which back then was a lot more for five years. Trenton Hassel got the same contract. Wonderful, wonderful piece. Valuable piece to the team. Too big of a contract. Too big. But we had to keep him because of Garnett. And again, he was never as good as he was after his first season with the Wolves. But we still had him on the roster for a long freaking time. It was a wonderful day when, when he was off the team, finally. Finally. Felt like eternity. He went from good to not good. He went from good to not good very quickly to Trenton Hassel. Same with Troy Hudson. Him and Slytrell Spreewell that next year. The most disappointing season of Wolves history. Um, they, look like, they look like a couple of mouse mouseketeers. And that's even what they called him on, was it... Uh, ESPN, the Mouseketeers, and they both played like bleep the entire season. So they played like garbage the whole year. <laughs> Those two guys. Hudson would just jack up shots, and he'd make some, but he was never that good. Spreewell just just sucked. He didn't even care because he, because he had a family to feed. Way to feed your family, you moron. You didn't get another penny in the NBA because of your bad attitude. Stupid. You're in a contract year, so you play bad on purpose? Great. That's smart. Damn it! That's just like the idiots at work that want uh, a bigger paycheck, but so they're not, you know. But they didn't, so they didn't get it right away. They're like, "F you, then I'm not going to work hard." Well, then you know, then you know, here comes review time eight months later. Yeah, you got a fifteen cent raise, buddy. Fifteen cents? Yeah, because you didn't do anything all year. Yeah. Oh, then screw you. I quit. Huh. Bye. Well, bye. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened with Spreewell. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, Castell, same thing, you know, if he didn't get freaking hurt, everybody, and I mean everybody, you know, the Gary Trents, the Garnets, uh, Sam Mitchells, everybody. Well, Sam Mitchell wasn't playing anymore by then, but I wish he was. I could have sure used his help, I'm sure. Um, we all swear. Many of Timberwolves fans swear. The Wolves would have won the title that year. Uh, we we, we would have beaten the Lakers, even, even though it would have been tough. We could have gotten past them, absolutely, and we would have beaten the Detroit Pistons for our NBA championship. Garnett probably would have played his whole career here. He would have had a statue. Though, Gary Trent says he still should. He probably still should, yes. Uh, I'm not a big statue guy. I'm really not, but then again, I'm not a big tear-down statues guy either. Just read between the lines with what I just said. I'm not a big fan of that either. Uh, unless the statues of Adolf Hitler or something, go ahead and tear that down, I guess. But uh, that's about it. <laughs> I'm sure those were torn down a long time ago. Anyway, um, if they were ever built. <clears throat> you probably never got a chance to build those. <laughs> probably never did, right? Um, 
it's, you know, yes, if, if any Timberwolf deserves a statue, of course, it's Garnett. Of course, his number should be swinging in the rafters with the Lynx championship banners. Yes, I'm glad that they're there. It's just, yeah, I wish it'd be more, I don't know, I just think it'd be more interesting if they were Timberwolves championship banners. That's just my opinion. Please forgive me if you don't like what I just said, but that's the way I see the world. I'm sorry. I would, I'd be much happier if they were Timberwolves championship banners. Sorry. Um, much happier, by the way. Uh, as frustrated as I was with Garnett at times later in his career, maybe it's some of the, the you know some of the not so good attitude this and that. I was thrilled to see him win a championship in Boston in 0708. I mean, partially it was just that whole team it was so much fun to watch. It was fun. It was fun. The chemistry was just almost overnight. It is funny, though, Garnett and Ray Allen never really got along, apparently, in Boston. It just never was good. It never was right. So it is ironic how the guy that uh, the Timberwolves <clears throat> traded on draft night for Stefan Marbury, how a lot of people would say, oh, Garnett and Ray Allen could have been together forever in Minnesota. That would have been unbelievable. And Maybe, but maybe they wouldn't have gotten along then either. Who knows? Uh, the saddest story of all with Garnett, of course, is the googly out of Marbury situation that... Uh, just did not last. It was just far too short. And I still remember the poster. I wish I ever, I, I wish I knew whatever happened to the darn thing. But after the SOB got traded, be, you know, got, uh, excuse me, demanded a trade, um, I, uh, the poster went down. But that beautiful poster with Garnett Googly out of Marbury will never be forgotten. It was just, you know, uh, I'm almost getting moist eyes thinking about that poster. I can still see where it hung. Obviously, I'm not in the same room I was back then. Of course, my parents still live there. But, yeah, it was in Golden Valley, which I am in nowadays again all these years later. But, yeah, but it's, yeah, I, I don't, I still to this day don't know even know where that poster is now. But I'm sure it's still intact. It didn't get thrown away or recycled or anything like that. <sighs> Kevin. Yeah, I mean, man. But, um, Marbury, that's the saddest part, how it just... You know, article after article, oh, to play in New York would be so beautiful. I mean, I mean, like, because Marbury said I mean or I mean every 10 seconds. Even when he wrote an article, it was almost unreadable because it's just so... Just think about Marbury writing an article. I, let's just say he wasn't uh, Michael Russo <laughs> or Jerry Zagora. <laughs> you know, his talents were in a different direction. Not saying he's dumb or, or this or that. He just, it's just not, he just wasn't that good at it. And when you write, I mean, I mean, I mean, like 50 times plus, it's not a good article. <laughs> it's not good. But he just kept going on and on about how great it would be to play in New York someday. So it's like he just kind of knew eventually someday he's going to want to leave. He just knew it. Or you just pray to God, though, somehow he'll be convinced to stay. And then the Garnett contract, apparently that was the nail in the coffin the final dagger, the, the oak stake in the heart of the Timberwolves' uh, potential dynasty hopes. It was the stake in the heart because, of, uh, as Sam Mitchell says, and others, as he said on Dan Barrero, that uh, the one thing Marbury could not get out of his head was after the new collective bargaining agreement, Marbury could never make as much as Garnett. Garnett was grandfathered in despite the fact he was, what, 21 years old. He was only 21 years old. When that when that when that contract was signed, ninety seven ninety eight, it was already that was it. Um, of course, no, the collective bargaining agreement happened in the ninety eight ninety nine. Pardon me, that was when the lockout happened. So yeah, it was after that. But the guard the contract had been signed, and uh, 
Whew, my screen went black. That scared me. That's <laughs> because I hadn't been touching it. Um, that's just one of the most heartbreaking things of all time, though. He, he, his maximum salary would have been about 80 to 81, 81, 82. Uh, that would have been the max contract at the time. That's how high max contracts went back then uh, after that new collective bargaining agreement, after the very long uh, 1999 lockout, 98-99 summer into winter lockout. Uh, Barnaby just couldn't handle that. And in some ways, I can feel that. I would be furious too in a lot of ways, but you're still okay. You know, me... At my workplace, if I found out I couldn't make as much as uh, another person that I know I'm on, you know, the same, I'm in the same stratosphere as, I, I'd be pissed too. But, unfortunately, it was just one of those things. Uh, put it this way. Put it this way. Playing for the Timberwolves and possibly winning championships and having beautiful chemistry is a lot funner than freaking factory work. Let's just put it that way. A little different story there. <laughs> uh, you just wish Marbury could have let that go. And, you know, and that they all basically agreed, we would give it to you if we could, but the, the it's too late. It's too late. There's nothing we can do. Marbury never let it go, and he finally just said, bleep this, I'm not playing here anymore. That's literally what happened. Sam Mitchell said how basically the, uh, this is again on the Dan Barrero show this past week, how uh, they couldn't even practice anymore when they were in Phoenix, and then that ended up being the hour, or the, or the day of the trade. Marbury <clears throat> to the New Jersey Nets at the time, before they moved to Brooklyn, for which was a, a multi-team trade. It was going to be Sam Castell from the Nets, which would have been a better, which would have been the better player. We all saw how great Sam Castell was with the Wolves. Just imagine if he came then, uh, several years younger. Well, let's say four years younger. Three, yeah, four years younger. He would have been on the Wolves. Instead of going to the Wolves, he went to Milwaukee, and then Milwaukee's point guard, Terrell Brandon, came to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we also get the Brooklyn Nets first-round pick, excuse me, New Jersey Nets at the time, which ended up being Wally Zerbiak. Wally ended up being a wonderful shooter and everything, but I don't know. There was always something missing with that guy. <laughs> there was always something missing. Whenever he put the ball on the floor, it was like, oh, great. Just shoot the effing ball, dude. <laughs> you know. But, see, if he could have played more of a Clay Thompson role, which Clay Thompson ended up having a better career than Wally, didn't he? As we all, I'm not sure how much longer Clay Thompson's career is going to be, but after injury, after injury, after injury, you never know. You never know what's going to happen with that guy. But um, Clay Thompson, where he barely needed the ball whatsoever, and would just catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, and have all that success. If Wally approached the game closer to that, oh my God, that would have been things would have probably been better between Wally and Garnett. And I, I don't know, but then again, who knows? Some of Garnett's there was a bad side to Kevin Garnett. I'll just leave it at that. He was getting in fisticuffs with certain people way too often, and it was kind of weird. A little bit too often, or like near fisticuffs, mostly like volcanic eruptions and such. Obviously, great rivalry with Tim Duncan that got a little overboard as well. It got Duncan a little bit ticked off at times, but nice to see Duncan and Garnett kind of uh, engage each other at that Hall of Fame uh, moment yesterday. It was great to see uh, Duncan kind of nodding in approval is what Garnett was saying. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful rivalry, but all respect in the world, and that was cool. That was cool to see, uh, in a big way. Um, I've had frustrations with Garnett over the years, obviously. Didn't take the big shot at times in the fourth quarter. Wasn't his thing as much. He took it sometimes, and of course, obviously, his greatest performance, to me, with the Timberwolves will always be Game 7 versus the Sacramento Kings. It's just a damn shame it wasn't Game 7 versus the Detroit Pistons. 
in the NBA Finals in 19, uh, excuse me, in 2004. That would have been, then you could call him Kirby Puckett. That's when he could be on the same par as Kirby Puckett if that were to take place. Other people will say he was well beyond Puckett. I can't do that. I can't do that. I cannot. Kevin Garnett is number two behind Puckett for me. I know I'm going to offend the whole listenership of this team, or of this podcast, right now by saying that. I can't do that. I grew up with Kirby Puckett, too. Uh-huh. Game 6, 91. Game 6, 87. Five hits versus Milwaukee. You know, years and years ago. And those, like, six-hit games as well, in, like, 91 and 92. You know, all those great seasons in between. Gold Gloves clutch home runs. Everybody jump on my back. I'm going to carry us tonight. Game 6, 91. I'm sorry. To me, Garnett's, Gar- Gar- Garnett's number 2 behind Kirby Puckett mostly because of that. Uh, as great as Garnett was, Kirby Puckett had that little extra. That one little extra magical thing. And uh, as Sam Mitchell said, Kevin Garnett needed, uh, Marbury needed Kevin Garnett. How much he needed him and Marbury's career would have been Hall of Fame for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Garnett made Marbury so much better. Flip Saunders and Garnett with Marbury was the perfect fit. Perfect coach, perfect uh, power forward center, well, power forward basically, power forward, stretch four, small forward, shooting guard, whatever he could be, <laughs> a de facto point guard, Kevin Garnett, which is what he was against Sacramento, which is unbelievable. Um, kind of like Magic Johnson playing center against the Sixers in 1980. That was just beautiful. Um, Magic, wow, what a what a run he had there. Uh, of course, unfortunately, I was too young to actually see it happen, but, you know, history, and you got to see all the documentaries and such. It was unbelievable. Um, Marbury absolutely needed Garnett. Garnett absolutely needed Marbury. And Castell, obviously, was that big piece that was Marbury-like when the Wolves could have won the championship in 04, but he let the team down, getting hurt, you know, or just his back let the team down, him being Sam Castell. Big freaking shame, huge shame. Um... The Wolves could have kept Chauncey Bills. We might have had a miracle replacement. He could have been a... He, he would have... He was a hell of a player, too. It's a gosh darn Mickey freaking shame that the Wolves didn't keep Chauncey Billups. That's one of the biggest things that still aches in my heart, is that uh, the Wolves couldn't promise Chauncey Billups a starting role because Terrell Bryan was still on the roster. Oh, wait, but he was inactive. And, oh, wait, he never played another game again. Ever. That's where he ended up getting traded as a retiring contract because of the injury, the microfactor surgery, and we got frickin' Spreewell. Well, who, who would I rather have between Chauncey Billups and frickin' Spreewell? I'd rather have Chauncey Billups any day of the week, and uh, maybe we still could have gotten someone else in place of Cassell if, if that was the case. But uh, Cassell was obviously clutch. Billups was clutch, obviously, as well. He ended up getting the finals MVP that frickin' year. Think about that. With the Detroit Pistons, just think about that. Just think about that. Oh, 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 man. That's as Minnesota as it gets right there. Microfracture surgery. You get freaking Spreewell, but luckily, again, a, just an awesome trade. Joe Smith and Anthony Bleeping Peeler, the most obnoxious, terrible player ever to get uh, Sam Cassell. Wow. Awesome. It was good times. Uh, and maximize Garnett, because like any great player, you need help. You can't do it all yourself. And when you're all by yourself... Certain stats will be higher, uh, and other stats will be worse. Uh, you're obviously going to get worn out, because maybe you're just trying to do a little bit too much, which I think was the case with Garnett in some of those years, and when he had more help, his numbers exploded. 
Also, he was in that you know upper 20s range, which is your absolute prime in the NBA usually. Uh, it was so much fun. So much fun, and I miss seeing it. <laughs> that was a great season. Oh, my God. Oh, no, and, and we'll all remember it forever. All of us that were old enough to remember it. But just imagine if the Wolves were able to keep Chauncey Billups and have that great career, and we could have stuck with Garnett and add that one more piece, if humanly possible. But I guess it wasn't. I don't know. I guess it wasn't. I mean, but you could package players together to get that third piece to join Chauncey Billups and Garnett, and it would have been beautiful. Because Billups was an absolute all-star right after that. Oh, bummer. Obviously, great run with Boston, like I talked about. Too bad we couldn't get Rajon Rondo back in that move, but then again, the Celtics wouldn't have won a championship. Probably, I mean, Rondo was very key to those championship teams. Uh, we got Telfer instead. <laughs> it's just funny how all that turned out. But obviously, a hell of a Hall of Fame career. It was thrilling to see him come back. Kevin Garnett, he only played five games his first year back. Uh, he looked so good in those five games, and then his knee just said, screw this, I'm not, I'm not doing this. The next year, he wound up with 38 games and started all of them. And I remember how I hadn't been a, t- a ticket holder for so long. <sighs> I'm going to fess up to something. Because once you have cable TV and eventually later on HD TV, and maybe you don't have the financial wherewithal to be a season ticket holder anymore, you eventually stop. And you just come home and would rather watch the, all the games on TV. <laughs> That's what happened uh, with myself. Kevin Garnett was playing. Flip Saunders was the coach, right? I come back <laughs> in 14-15. Garnett's there, and Flip Saunders is the coach. Just Isn't that the most darndest thing of all time? I hadn't been there all that time. Garnett's there as a, as a player, and Flip Saunders is the coach. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> all those years later, I come back. It was the darndest, craziest thing. And then, of course, again, the 38 years, and then there was no more Flip Saunders, and obviously the saddest thing ever. Garnett still played 38 games, but ended up being his final year. He had at least one more year remaining on that deal. I believe it was two more. And then Tom Thibodeau came in, bought him out, and that was it. Very sad situation. Very sad, and we don't know what truly happened behind the scenes with uh, Glenn Taylor, Kevin Garnett, Tom Thibodeau. I have no idea. But obviously Kevin Garnett did not mention Tom Thibodeau, in his Hall of Fame uh, uh, speech. Uh, cool to hear Tom Thibodeau on Dan Barrero, though. Obviously, they had a good relationship in Boston. So, not sure what happened there. Because they did know each other. They absolutely did. So, not sure what took place there other than Garnett. There was just to a point where he couldn't really play anymore. But uh, Gary Trent says he should have stuck around for a while after that with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. It would have helped him maybe uh, be ahead of the curve a bit with his learning process. That probably would have been good. It wouldn't have hurt. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have objected to it honestly. Um, I don't know if he could have played your five more years though, like Gary Trent was saying. That's a little crazy, but maybe at least hung around in the organization, kind of like as a you know like a Haslam, like a, a, a Juwan Howard with the Miami Heat, Haslam guys like that. Kind of cool actually. Um, kind of cool what Miami did with Haslam and Juwan Howard. Maybe Garnett could have been that kind of an inactive guy who was still kind of there. And all that would have been very helpful. It could have been an assistant coach, maybe, even though he didn't. He never wanted to be a head coach. And he told Sid, uh, the late Sid Hartman, hell no, nah, about being a coach when he came back. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say. But he would have at least been, he would have been a coach without being a coach, maybe. That kind of thing, at the end of the day. <laughs> kind of funny. But, uh, 
great Hall of Fame career by Kevin Garnett. Obviously, again, I've had my ups, I've had my downs, my disappointments, but I'm happy that he, you know, it was, I'm, I'm happy, obviously, for him to get into the Hall of Fame first ballot. Uh, it was nice to see, and I'm glad he didn't really uh, uh, air out any dirty laundry for his Hall of Fame speech at the end of the day. So that, that was the good thing, at the very least. <laughs> it's just not the time or the place. Uh, will this be the last time we'll see Vanessa Bryant for a while? Maybe. Good speech, good job. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, good for her. I'm glad she was able to do it. Uh, she did fine. It's just, yeah, I, maybe she should step out of the limelight for a while. I think that'd be probably better at the end of the day. That's just my opinion. Again, don't be offended about that at the end of the day. Um, obviously, again, hopefully Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie can uh, bring Garnett in as an investor in the next couple of years. Try to smooth things over and get the guy uh, up in the rafters. Get the guy's jersey up in the rafters and we can all feel a little bit better about things. Uh, Kevin Garnett, to me, is not God. He's, he's not God. He's not a God of basketball or this or that. But wonderful career. Uh, love the passion. I miss the I miss the nice side of him that we used to see back in the day. Again, when I got his autograph way, way back in 99, right after that lockout, uh, Marbury was an arrogant SOB. You could just see it. Took his shirt off and walked by like, <laughs> like, like he's better than everybody else. Uh, big surprise that Marbury would do something like that. Uh, his jersey off, and, and what Garnett does, he sits down in a you know those folding chairs, and he starts shaking a black sharpie. And we all know what that black sharpie's for. And we all ran over. This was again a public scrimmage before the uh, 1999 season. Since there was no 98-99, it was just the 99 season. The lockout shortened 47 game season, and I got a uh, jersey. I've mentioned this in the past, but in case you're a new listener, I was like, oh no, what am I going to have him sign? And then I'm like, oh, I am wearing a replica Garnett jersey, one of those blue ones from the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, ripped it off, ripped it off my neck. <laughs> Not literally, because obviously I had a shirt underneath it. It was the winter. And, uh, well, KG21, it was signed. He looked me right in the eye, because I, I couldn't believe it when it got to that point when it was my turn. He likes to, you know, Kevin Garnett always liked to imitate people. Like he would imitate, uh, you know, and I like to do the same thing. That's where me and Garnett are alike, very alike. Uh, we like to imitate people, especially when they have a funny expression on their face or something. <laughs> my eyes were popping out of my head. I was like, oh, my God, I'm face-to-face with Kevin Garnett. And, you know, I'm like, what, how many years younger? Three years younger than him, so I was really shy. Garnett was 21, just like his number, if I remember correctly. 21, 22? 20, 22 at the time. Uh, so that must have made me what? <laughs> must have made me about 19. Yeah, 19. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and he just, he popped his eyes out back at me and he just kind of looked like, okay. And he said, I like that. And then uh, here came the jersey, KG21, big smile on his face, handed it to me. And I said, thanks, Kevin. Patted him on the back and uh, saw him a couple other times as well out on the jet ski when me and my, me and my brother and his friends were on my, my dad's boat an old riggedy boat, but a good, decent boat, classic, uh, medium, small-sized boat, uh, but, it, but it ran and all that stuff. Is, the boat was as old as me, literally, 1979, and there's Kevin Garnett on a jet ski. Holy cow, with, with a friend or two there. Man, on Lake Minnetonka, so cool. Uh, he also came to the gas station when I worked at a holiday gas station many years ago. He was out there pumping gas in his Range Rover, and it's like, well, there's no doubt who that is. Holy crap. <laughs> it was pretty cool. And he waved. I waved. He waved. That was pretty cool. 
Um, yep, that was uh, that was good times. So, got to see him multiple times. I'm very lucky. I got to see Kevin Garnett in person multiple times. Never got to see Kirby Puckett. Never got to see the Chuck Knobloch of the world. Uh, I don't think I ever saw Tom Gugliotta in person, other than you know just watching him at the games uh, in the seat, but like uh, in the you know in, in person, person like close up. Marbury for a split second, but obviously he wasn't uh, saying hello to anybody or signing any autographs. He just wanted everyone to see his chest. Thanks. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> New York. New York. I'm a tough guy from New York. That's basically about it. Um, but interesting, interesting. I love the reminiscing about this. Hope I didn't ramble on too much. <clears throat> I'm surprised. Wow, I went over 41 minutes on this one. But, I mean, it's the good old days. If you're a Timberwolves fan, it's the good old days. As disappointing as those Mickey freaking 50 win years were, we won 50 games year in, year out, and didn't do jack bleep in the playoffs. That was the frustrating part. But, uh, you know, we had a guy that uh, gave us hope. We always hoped we'd, we'd get the right roster around him. We, we did for a little while. It went away. We tried again, and it went away again. And uh, then, we, then we ended up saying we have to trade you even though he didn't want to go, but it is what it is. It is what it is, and Glenn Taylor made some stupid statements along the way as well, unfortunately. With that said, we'll take a quick break and look at fan interaction after this. We are back here on Timberwolves Explosion. Time for some fan interaction. Kind of empty the mailbag, get caught up and all that good stuff. Pretty cool. So the most recent episode was episode 30... Did I not post it? That's weird. That's really old. Okay. <laughs> the most recent episode was 305. Winning culture needed. We're now at 306 at the end of the day. That was April 23rd. Seems like quite a while ago, and I guess it was. Uh, this one's again Garnett in the Hall of Fame and of course the new owner. So significant, significant. Garnett might be a new owner as well someday in the not too distant future. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Let's go to the Twitter account first. At <laughs> at T Wolves EX. Again, at T Wolves EX for the Twitter account. Want to thank Levi Brown and Tanae Brown for retweeting the most recent show. Vince Germano out of Australia. Levi and Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. Vince Germano out of Australia, and the Courtside Podcast, of course, and also Derek Felska of Preach and Assist, a, a bit of a hockey guy, no question about that, but kind enough to retweet this show as well. Very cool. Thank you so much, Derek. Preach and Assist for the Minnesota Wild, who won a playoff game today against the Vegas Golden Knights. How about that? I released a uh, playoff preview for the, for the Minnesota Wild on the Brave the Wild podcast two nights ago, Friday night. Do check that one out, if you could. Kenny Brown says he's been bad here in the 4th. I was taking, I was saying, come on, Carl. That was on April 24th. Bit of frustration going on there. He was missing a lot there. Um, hmm, Diva Bible, huh? I wonder what he's talking probably about Carl there, too. Probably a bit frustrated with uh, Carl, is my guess. Okay, I was saying, nope, it was not that. I was saying, if we can beat the Jazz in a, in a regular season series, it's time to start doing that with other teams. That would be great. That would be great. I mean, we beat the Jazz in the regular season. We swept the Jazz in three games. That 
is insane. But we did it. <laughs> we did it. So let's start doing that in regular, and uh, let's start doing that with other teams and start doing it in the playoffs, too. That'd be great. So we try to keep moving here with the Twitter account. Here we go. Nick Demas says, Great episode, Joey, but I don't want to think about how many episodes in a row you could have applied to use this title. And again, that's winning culture needed. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed doing that show. Nick Demas, I believe, out of Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly. Yeah, great guy. Thank you, Nick Demas. Really great to hear from you. And thank you for the retweet. Yeah, he also retweeted as well. Uh, he's in the U.S. <clears throat> I was saying something about I liked it, uh, a lot more in the 80s. Who, what was I saying to the bartender? I don't understand. Oh, yeah. They're saying, uh, I love Minneapolis, and I said I liked it a lot more in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot more in the 80s. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Tanae Brown says, shot selection, shot selection, shot selection. In the bonus, and let's settle for transition threes with the hand over the face. And Extremely frustrating. Yeah, some of the shot selection was just poo. Why can't it show the conversation? I hate Twitter sometimes. I just want the damn conversation because he was responding to me. Or was he just... Nope, maybe he wasn't responding. He was just... Uh, I quoted him back, I believe. Yeah, I was saying it's beyond irritating. It's like we're 12 years old. Yeah, we were literally like throwing the game away. It was ridiculous. Um, Levi Brown liked what I tweeted. I said, the fact we're able to sweep the Utah Jazz says something about the Timberwolves. Just hope we can be more consistent next year. Stay bleeping healthy for once. Yeah, that would be a big deal if we could. Um, and then Tanae Brown uh, quote retweets it. He says, uh, quote tweets it, I believe is what you call it. He says, I wonder what their record would be if they stayed healthy and how many wins we'd have had Finch not been hired. Hmm, interesting. The out-of-bounds play that led to the D'Lo layup to the win was impressive, and yes, it was. You have to play for D'Lo. He just kind of got wide open, and it was a good pass to set him up. That was awesome indeed. I was saying, uh, I wish Finch was coach all year. I'm really curious how good we truly can be. Yep, that was, uh, yep, Tenny Brown says, I don't think we were far off at the start of the season saying that if we stayed healthy, which didn't happen, unfortunately. We put the, He put it in quotations uh, there. Not quotations, uh, parentheses. Uh, we would be well in playoff contention. Nice four-game win streak and always nice to beat the Golden State Warriors. Well, yeah, wasn't that cool we did? So I was right about that one. When I said the Wolves would beat the Warriors like we usually do in the past, uh, at least uh, at least once. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I agree with what he was saying there, that being ten, uh, him being Tanae. Lots of stuff floating around here. I wonder if there's one more, maybe. Yep, Nick Tima said, nice. That's something I posted. It must have been. I'm going to like it. Uh-huh, it was the Anthony Edwards behind the back into himself with the jam. Just so smooth. That was against the Celtics, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? It was a terrible game, but a great play by Anthony Edwards. No doubt about it. Liked by multiple people there. Thank you very, very much for the likes there. At TWolvesEX, do follow that Twitter account. It's getting, you know, it's been lonely and stupid ever since I had to restart everything, but uh, luckily, no, people have been joining it very gradually, but those of you that have, I mean, you're like the main, main people, and I really appreciate all of you. Um, so now we head to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. We got Carl Anthony Towns throwing down a sick reverse on on the Jazz. That really was awesome. No question about that. 
And then Anthony Edwards. Yep, he's just really becoming something, isn't he? He really is. Uh, reminds me of Dominique Wilkins, honest to God. 150 career threes, youngest in NBA history. To get to 153 is pretty damn cool. Tanae Brown, or Levi Brown, I apologize, says, Ant has been absolutely spectacular since the break. Sucked again at New Orleans. Uh, sucked again at NOLA. That'd be New Orleans. Uh, where we stopped giving him the ball at the end of the game. Some terrible turnovers from Cat. Yeah, no question about that. No question about that. Um, and then they, they were saying how Anthony Edwards had to play in girls basketball league in middle school, was bullied for being overweight, and then now here we are. Rookie of the year candidate, 19 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds per game, two forty point 40-point-plus games, future superstar loved by everyone. Big, big change there at heavyweight hoops is where we got that from. Pretty damn cool. Uh, there was a love from Janae Brown there. But no comment, and that's totally fine. Um, that's funny. Sorry, I just saw something funny. Uh, it's... Uh, see if there's a little bit more here. I think there's, yeah, there's a couple more coming up. Here we go. Uh-huh. They're saying, yep, the sources, A-Rod Group buying the Timberwolves. This is when things became official at the end of the day. Very cool. Tenny Brown says, feels like everything is moving in the right direction with the Wolves. They've looked a lot better on the court now. I hope things are a lot better off the court, too. Uh, Tenny Brown says, absolute garbage. Excuse me. Cody Fohol says, absolute garbage. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Absolute garbage, huh? Now we continue to... Oh, yeah. There was just the image of Garnett in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Denae Brown says KG was a player. KG was the player that made me a Wolves fan. I would run around the court calling myself Big Ticket every time I, I got a border block. If Castell didn't uh, couldn't have, uh, hadn't have been injured, Wolves 100% have a championship that season. And I agree. I agree 100% with that. A couple more images, and I don't believe... Oh, there's one more. Yep, then there was breaking. There's buzz that Alex Rodriguez plans, plans to bring Kevin Garnett in as an investor in the Timberwolves Link's purchase. Uh, yep, and Tony Brown says, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this, Joey. I think this will be a massive positive for the organization, especially having him around Cat and for defensive intensity as a whole. I think it would be absolutely, absolutely a major, major awesome move for the Wolves and it would be very happy times for many fans for many years to come. Hopefully Garnett will be willing to do so. That will be uh, very happy times indeed. I mean, overall, my thoughts are, yeah, I mean, it's, it would be, it'd be a great day. It'd be a great day if it were to happen. I really hope that, uh, and I did mention it earlier as well. I really do hope that, uh, that it does happen. I really hope that Garnett's willing to listen. Garnett's willing to jump on board. We'll just have to see how things go, though with uh, Taylor possibly as a minority owner still later on, but maybe it just doesn't matter. He's just a minority owner. He doesn't really have to stay on anything anymore. Uh, hopefully Garnett doesn't take it too personal anymore about that because uh, Taylor won't be his boss. Taylor won't be the boss or anything like that, so he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He's just uh, another investor that uh, probably they probably never talk to each other anyway at the end of the day. Some do and some don't, depending on if you get along or not, I suppose. Uh, with that said, though, it's been a lot of fun to do this, obviously. <laughs> Generally positive. Obviously, you hope the Timberwolves are going to be more serious, not have some weird, weird lapses. Uh, caring about Mr. 
D'Angelo Russell taking defense seriously once in a while. How about all the time rather than just once in a while? That type of stuff. You hear just weird, weird, weird quotes coming out from the organization at times. I don't know. That kind of stuff has to stop. Uh, there was a post on T-Wolves, uh, Flip's Army, pardon me, that said the untouchable players uh, go- going into the summer would be Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell to me is not untouchable. I, I disagree with that. Uh, the other two are untouchable for me right now. Uh, there's a price for everybody, but I would not trade Anthony Edwards at all, and I probably wouldn't trade Carl either. In fact, no, I wouldn't. D'Angelo Russell, hey, if that's the right package and we can do better, go for it. Go for it. He's, he's pretty damn expensive for what he is at the end of the day, even though he was pretty wonderful after the bone spurs, but obviously no pressure. No pressure at all. So maybe he's just another Ricky Davis. Okay, I don't think he'll be that bad, but maybe it's a little bit of Ricky Davis mixed in. With that said, please write a positive rating for Timberwolves Explosion if you could on Apple Podcasts or what do they call it? Twitter? No, Apple Podcasts, uh, Audible, or uh, Stitcher is the other one. Not Twitter. That's what was messing me up. It'd be great to hear from you. Absolutely wonderful uh, if you could write a positive rating. It only helps and makes the show more attractive to potential listeners. Uh, please do join via audio submission. It would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely greatly appreciated. Simply... Uh, Whip out your smart device, open up the free voice recording application, press record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop, email slash share it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Greatly, greatly appreciate it always. Please do jump on board the Vigit application, which I should have mentioned earlier. I do this way too often. At least the last couple of shows I didn't do this. be too late. The Vigit application for free sports betting, basically. Uh, you you bet free coins, win real prizes, jump on board. It's a lot of fun, especially as we head into the postseason now. Uh, you can do a lot of betting, this and that, with it. But without betting real money, you can compete against other people and win real prizes in uh, national competitions. It's a lot of fun. Do join at the Vigit application. I'll have the link, or not the link, but the name, and then the referral of Paladino Live. Paladino Live. You just download it off of Android or Apple. Same type of thing. Uh, very great to have you on board for that at the end of the day. Uh, it's always greatly appreciated. Um, so, again... If you could write that positive rating, it's always great. Uh, courtside podcast, highly, highly recommended always. Wayne Hunt out of Sydney, Australia. Vince Germano out of Melbourne, Australia. Stu Benson also out of Sydney, Australia. Vince and Stu are Laker fans. Wayne Hunt is a Memphis fan. But they talk general basketball and have fun talking about their, their main teams as well. They debate, they have fun, they they argue, but it's not always bad arguing. It's just fun arguing at the end of the day. But occasionally, they'll get into some Australian slang with each other, which is a lot of fun to listen to as well. <laughs> Where they say, shut up. No, that's not even slang, but it gets interesting at times. Uh, Where they say, bugger. No, stuff like that. At the end of the day, hope all of you have a wonderful spring. It's just so beautiful. out. It's pretty much the best time of year right now. As long as it doesn't rain, it's the best time of year here in the in Northern Hemisphere, we'll call it. Uh, those of you in Australia, I bet it's cooling down a bit, unfortunately. But I guess that's just how it is. You know, it's always the opposite. It starts to get nice there. It starts to get not as nice here. That type of thing. Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, all that simple stuff. Well, um, if I'm able to get back on board fairly soon, I could do a playoff preview. or And it might be kind of on the fly, obviously, like in the middle of the playoffs. And kind of continue this and that. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'd say the team most likely to win a title right now is probably the Brooklyn Nets, but I could be way, way off. 
I, I think they have a shot, though. They stay healthy. They might have a shot. Maybe Vince will be wrong for one year, and then right after that, boom, they'll just take off. But I'll do more of a playoff show going forward, probably, and then eventually stay to the Timberwolves in late June after the draft lottery, stay to the Timberwolves. That might end up being the next show, but if I have time, I could sw- uh, slip in and talk a little postseason hoops, which would be a lot of fun, and maybe uh, catch up on Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, what they had to say in the press conference. would probably be a nice, short, fun show at the end of the day. hope it comes on around pretty soon. With that said, take care and talk to you next time.